The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Well, good morning. If you uh, have uh, your Bibles or would like to follow along with us, you can open those up to uh, Genesis chapter 13. Uh, We are in Pledge Week this week, and uh, some of you don't know what that is or what that means, uh, because to be honest with you, we've never done uh, a Pledge Week here uh, at the church. But uh, three weeks ago, we started through this series called Greater, and and we began to talk about what it looks like to really surrender our entire lives to Christ, what it looks like to surrender ourselves to God. And, And then two weeks ago, we began to talk about what it looks like to trust God with everything. And so over the next seven days, this week and next Sunday, we're going to move into uh, Pledge Week. And part of this greater series is looking at our lives and saying, God, how do you want me to invest? But more than that, how do you want to increase my life? How do you want to lead me into a a greater life? And so this is week three of a series that we've been going through the life of Abram or Abraham. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to begin to look at what it looks like for us as individuals to increase our faith and what it looks like for us as a church to increase our influence. And, and so if you're a visitor or if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, let me just first of all welcome you. This is a great, great week for you to be here just simply because you get to hear about what our heartbeat is as a church Because we want to increase our influence into the world so that more people can know and understand the grace and the glory of God and find themselves with a purpose and a mission for their lives. And so God has really blessed each one of us. God has blessed you with time. He's blessed you with treasures. He's blessed you with talents. And he's given us those blessings so that we have a responsibility now to bless the world. And I'm believing that this week, for a lot of us, could be a defining week in our journey of faith. It can be a week where we ask God to really lead us, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 10th, maybe for the 100th time, but we're asking again and re-asking again, God, would you lead us to where you want us to go? And I know that a part of that is begin to talk about establishing priorities, And so today we're going to talk about what it looks like to establish priorities in our lives. We're going to look at the life of Abraham and how he established priorities in his life. Did you know uh, every success book that's out there says that establishing priorities is the number one key to success? Establishing priorities in your life is the number one key to success. Now, now I'm not just going to take a, a worldly book and try to apply it, but listen, Jesus says that establishing priorities is the number one key to life. He says, seek thee first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. He says, the first thing is you need to seek is seek God. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so here's the deal, is when you think about your life and your kingdom, listen, you're like third on the list. It's God, then your neighbor, then you. And so Jesus was really about talking about what it looks like to establish priorities. And so today we're going to take a look at what it looks like that Abraham began to establish priorities in his life. God puts us in situations where you're going to have to determine what's most important, believe it or not. There's going to be times in your life where you have to determine what is the most important thing to me. And listen, he's going to put you in situations 
where you don't have to just simply choose between what is good and what is bad because that's easy. But he's going to ask you to choose between of all the good things, what is best? Of all the good things, what is the highest priority? That's where it gets tricky, doesn't it? Have you ever been in that situation where you have multiple good things coming your way, but you have to choose one or the other? Listen, if we just simply had to choose between Brussels sprouts and chocolate chip cookies, that's easy, right? I mean, that's easy. But, but when you talk about chocolate chip cookies or brownies, I don't know which one to go. So you begin to establish priorities in the same way in your life. And so here it is in Genesis 13. I'm going to read quite a bit here, but you can follow along with me. Genesis 13. Abram is going to make a decision. So Abram went up from Egypt, and he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot, which is his nephew, went with him into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock. He was rich in silver and in gold. And he journeyed from the Negeb as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and I to the place where he had made an altar at first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. If you highlight or underline or try to think about a verse, think about that one. Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at the time of the Canaanites and the Prezesites were dwelling in the land. And Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we are kinsmen, we're brothers this is not, is not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes. Underline that. He lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley, and it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. So Lot lifts up his eyes, he looks at all the land, and he sees a very fruitful place, a very watered place, a very green place, a very fertile place, and he saw it, and he says, this looks like the garden of the Lord. Did you know deep down in your hearts and in your souls, we're all trying to get back to the garden of the Lord? Because the Bible starts in Genesis 1 and 2 and not chapter 3. And so there was a time before sin where we walked with God. We had intimacy with God. Everything around us was fruitful. Everything around us was good. And there's something inside each one of us that wants to get back to the garden of the Lord. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw something. He says, wow, that looks good. It's watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot, he chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus, they separated from each other. Now, what Abraham does here is pretty unheard of. 
How many of you guys have uh, older brothers or sisters, older siblings? All right, so, so you'll understand this. In my house growing up, my, my sister was uh, 10 months older than me, so she was technically older than me. We were the same age a couple months throughout the year. And so, uh, so my grandma would always uh, cook dinner for us. My mom was a single mom. She uh, worked several jobs, and so a lot of times we found ourselves at grandma's house uh, eating dinner. You follow me? And so grandma would always make dinner, and one of my favorite meals was fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and corn. How many of you guys love fried chicken? I love fried chicken. My family loves fried chicken. And my family, we love fried chicken, but we technically really love the chicken legs. Any chicken leg lovers? All right. Dark meat people, right? I love, I love the chicken legs. All right. So I want you to imagine that grandma makes this, this giant pot of chicken, right? And my sister, because she's older, she looks at me and she says, Eric, you can actually have what you want. You can take the first choice. It's like, it's like Dominic and Ellie. Dominic's older than Ellie. Like, can you imagine? They love chicken legs. That's like their number one thing. It, I, I cannot even wrap my head around putting the bowl of chicken in the middle of the table and Dominic saying to his sister, Ellie, just take whatever you want. I'll take whatever's left. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, right? I mean, we bring home a pizza. It's all the same pizza. It's just sliced differently. And he doesn't even let her take the first slice. He's like, no, I want that slice. How many of you have been there? Right? And so there's this. So this is, this is what Abram does. He says, he says, look at all this land. He says, you just, Lot, just take what you want. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll take whatever's left. You, you, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw a land that was fruitful so when Abram makes the offer to Lot, it says that he lifted up his eyes and he saw what looked like the garden of the Lord. So the first thing Lot does is he begins to prioritize what he can see. He begins to fix his eyes on one thing. He begins to set his priorities upon one thing. He says, which of this land will make me wealthier? Which portion of this land will actually benefit my future? Which portion of this land is actually going to make me and my life worthy and wealthier? So from a worldly point of view, really from a ground perspective, he made a good choice, didn't he? I mean, the Jordan Valley. It was well watered. It was green. There was a lot of life there. So if you just simply take the, the, the situation at hand and you look at it from a ground level, you look at it from a worldly point of view, you would say, well, yeah, that's the best choice. Are you with me on that? He looked at that and he said, man, that's what I want. Now, he shows no regard for spiritual things. He knows God. He's a worshiper of God. But in no time did he prayer, pray, did he take consideration for God upon his choice. And he just goes after it. Look in verse 12. Abram then... Settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. So Lot makes his home next to Sodom. Why? Because he saw that that was the place where he could make the most money. That was the place where he could have the most fame. 
That was the place where his daughters could actually play for the select softball team that she always wanted to play for. That was the city where everything was happening. That was the place where I could best build the kingdom of Lot. Now, if you follow the story, if you follow his life, these priorities, they end tragically for him. In verse 13, it says that he moves next to Sodom. In chapter 14, it says that he's actually in Sodom. In chapter 19, not only is he in Sodom, but he's one of the most respected men in Sodom, which is the same chapter that God destroys the entire city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so when God calls his family to get out of Sodom, his wife is so in love with material prosperity, she is so in love with the life that she's built up that she can't leave it and it kills her. And so the point of this text is not that you shouldn't live into, in a place where there isn't sin because that's everywhere. The, the point is, is that Lot prioritized the earthly things over the eternal things. That he... He prioritized a kind of lifestyle above God. I know people who are in jobs that are just terrible for their families. They don't get to lead their families. They don't get to spend time with their families. They, but, but they stay in the job because it's the only way that they can create the income that's needed to, to have the lifestyle that they're used to, the material things. I know parents... Of, of, of families that are so committed to their kids' sports and education. And, and listen, listen, I, I have two kids. I, I, I get it. And, 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 and as parents, a lot of times we say, we say it's so hard to like, to like balance everything. You know, going here and going there. But, but listen, the problem is not that we haven't learned how to balance everything. The problem is that we haven't learned how to prioritize anything. And so we don't know what's best among all the good things. What is the highest? What is the best? What is the greatest thing? God, what do you want for my life? Because I can look around the whole land and I can fix my eyes on the thing that will make me happier or more comfortable or more wealthy or all of these things that I can see falling in place. But no time do we say, God, what is the most important thing to you? God, what is the most important thing? To God, And so we're so busy running here and running there and taking this job and taking the extra shift, and we've never had a chance to lead or prioritize our families into the one direction that really matters, and that's knowing God. We've missed out on knowing God because we fixed our eyes on a counterfeit land that looks like the garden of the Lord, and we've missed out on the Lord himself. And so, let's just face it, I mean, your kid may or may not play in the major leagues. Your kid may or may not get into the college that they've always wanted to. But hear, hear me, because your kids will definitely either go to heaven or hell. Matthew 7, Jesus says, On that day, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, depart from me, I don't know you. There will come a day, listen, it's guaranteed that eternity is going to be at the forefront of our lives. What good is it to gain the whole world, yet sacrifice your own soul? Men, uh, let me just ask you men. Guys, family men, 
Why are we trying to make our families as comfortable as possible on the road to destruction? Why are we trying to give them everything that they've always wanted to make them so comfortable but never actually lead them into the presence of God? We're trying to make our lives so comfortable that we forget that God is the greatest treasure. Shouldn't we be more concerned about where our kids spend eternity rather than when they go to college? I mean, that's only four years of their life. This is eternal. What good is it if we become leaders in Sodom yet sacrifice our own soul? Listen, it's not that Lot chose poorly. He had no disregard for what God wanted in his life. He had his eyes and his heart completely fixed on earthly things. What good is it that we would do that? Listen, as followers of Jesus, we need to give God our first and our best. Our first step needs to be asking God, God, where do you want me to go? God, what do you want me to do? Why would we not give God our first and our best? Listen, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying that we give God our first and our best in order to be saved. I'm saying that we give God our first and our best because we are saved. Are you, are you with me on that? God is not staying there, oh, you know, I can only forgive you if you would give me first and best. I would only forgive you if you actually prayed to me more, if you actually did these things more, if you actually went to church more. Listen, God has forgiven us through the blood of Jesus Christ, by his grace, through faith. That's how we're saved. But because we're saved, why would we not offer God everything? And say, God, you get my first and my best. Listen, Abram knew God. He prioritized the kingdom of God. And the question is not, where's the best land? The question is, God, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Look in Genesis uh, verse 13, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had gone off, God comes and reassures him on his generosity. He says, he says, lift up your eyes, Abram. Look from the place where you are. Look northward. Look southward, eastward, westward. For all the land that you see, I will give it to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. Remember, he also promised the stars in the sky would be his offering. Now, the dust of the earth. Like, who can even count that? Right? He says, it'll be like the dust of the earth. Your offspring will also can be counted. Arise and walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there, what did he do? He built an altar to the Lord. You know, in in verse 3 and 4, The first thing that Abram did when he came into the new land is he built an altar and he prayed and asked God, where do you want me to be? And the first thing that Abram did after he led him to the place where he's supposed to go is he built an altar and prayed and asked the Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be? Abraham's first act was asking God what he wanted. He said, God, the first thing I need is to hear from you. Do you realize that the first thing that we need as a church, that we need as, as his body, that we need to ask, Lord, what do you want from me? Lord, what, what do you want from me in this chapter of my life? 
Abraham thought about God first. He gave God his first and blessings of everything and every victory. In fact, in chapter 14, uh, Abram sets up a rescue mission to go after Lot. And in chapter 14, I mean, all the odds are against him. But God gives him an incredible victory. Do you know what the first thing Abram does after God gave him a great victory? He tithed. He, he gave 10% of all of his wealth to a, a, a priest named Melchizedek. Now, now hear me, why is that significant? Because in the scriptures at this point, there is no command to give. There's no command at this point to tithe. There's no command to give a tenth of anything away. So why would Abram do it? Because he sees it as a token of gratitude to God. And God was the one who gave him such a great victory. And he acknowledged it before God. So our first encounter with tithing in the Bible is where Abraham is not paying God. He's not giving God out of a command, but rather in order because he's received something. He's received a blessing because the promise was, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. And so everything Abraham's given is saying, okay, how can I give it away? How can I expand this kingdom? How can I, how can I honor you, God, with all that you've given me? Giving was a joyful response to God. God who just fought for him and blessed him. And all of Abraham's blessing and prosperity came from God. Now hear me. Because all of your prosperity and all of your blessing also comes from God, whether you acknowledge it or not. It all comes from God. And so in order to live a greater life, we have to prioritize God what do you want? How do you want me to live? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do with all the blessing you've given me? And so the question, which life better exemplifies yours? If you were to take a snapshot of your life, would it reflect that of Lot or Abram? What does it look like? Does your life reflect the, the, the one who fixed his eyes on a counterfeit land? Because Lot said, this is going to bring me peace. And Abram said, God, only you bring me peace. This is going to bring me prosperity. And Abram said, only you're going to bring me prosperity. Oh, this is going to make me only. God, all the blessing comes from you. I want to be where you are, nowhere else. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So let me ask you, where are you investing your time? Where are you investing your treasures? Where are you investing your talents? Where is your heart? Everybody ties to something. Everybody gives their first and their best to something. Everybody does. Whatever you give your first and your best to, it will reflect what your God is. You may not ever said it that way. Whatever you give your first and your best to, it will tell you what you treasure most. If you give your first and your best to improving your lifestyle, then comfort is your God. If you give your first and your best to savings, listen, savings is not wrong. It's not bad. But if you give your first and your best to savings, then you trust is in money. And you think that you're responsible for securing your own future. Because you don't trust God with it. When you trust your life to what you can provide, listen, you become a slave. But when you trust God to what he provides, it sets you free. It absolutely sets you free. And, and, and listen, I, I say first and your best, uh, because for many, tithing for you is just, a, is just a line item on your budget. 
I say first and best because, because you have already set the amount. And, and because you've set the amount and you've been walking in that for so long that really it doesn't really affect anything. It's not really sacrificial. It's kind of joyful. But it's not, it's not your first and your best because it really doesn't affect your life. God wants me to give in such a way that he gets my first and my best. And God told Abraham that he was going to bless him to be a blessing. How are we going to bless others? If you remember a couple weeks ago, we looked at 2 Corinthians 9. And in 2 Corinthians 9, it says that you were given a seed to sow into the harvest. And so many of us, what we do is when God gives us the seed in order to replant and sow into the harvest, we take it and we eat it. And so at the end of the day, we say, I don't have any more time. I don't have any more money. I don't have any more treasure. I don't have anything else to invest because I ate all the seed that you gave me to actually sow and build your kingdom. And so we're left empty. But in verse 11, it says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Listen to me. We are not owners. We are stewards. You are not an owner of anything. Because in any moment, it could all be gone. You're not an owner of any. You are a steward. At best, you're a manager. And God has made donations to you. Are you embezzling that? Is God giving you a donation to bless others and you just eat it and keep it for yourself? He wants you to use it for his mission. Listen to, listen to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first and all your produce, so your barns will be filled with, give me that word, plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. This is not a promise to make you richer, but he will enrich, enrich your life with eternal significance. He will allow you to make an impact. God will make sure you have plenty, listen to me, when you give your first and your best to God. Because when you give your first and best to God, what he does is he takes it and he multiplies it and makes sure that you always have plenty. Listen, uh, in, in John chapter 6, there's, um, there's 5,000 people gathered around Jesus. You remember the story? 5,000 people come to Jesus and, and they're, they're hungry. All right? and, and, and the disciples are like, how are we going to feed all these people? It's not like it's our responsibility to buy lunch for everybody, but they say it. And so they say, okay, oh, well, we want to we wanna feed the people. And so they don't know. You know how much it's going to take? It's going to take all this money to feed. And then this little boy comes up with his little box lunch, five loaves and two fish. Remember this? Jesus gives thanks to God. And then what does he do? He passes out and 5,000 people are fed with five loaves and two fish. The boy is like, this is all I got. This is my first, this is my best, this is all I got. In, in Mark chapter 8, do you remember what it says? How many baskets were left over? 12 baskets. How many did he start with? One basket maybe, right? Five loaves, two fish, that's all I got. Listen, can you imagine the boy saying, uh, mama saying, okay, have a good day at school. See you later, kid. Kick him out the door. He's got his little lunch in his backpack, right? And he shows up to Jesus and he says, here's my lunch. Five loaves and two fish, that's all I got. And then he comes home. I don't know. I mean, I just gave what I had to Jesus and now I have all 12 baskets. 
Listen, God wants to show himself in your life in such a way that when we offer our first and our best to God, he says, you'll have plenty. You'll always have plenty. And so, and so it's all through the scriptures. And so my primary prayer for you is not that we would just simply get more, but we would learn to give God our first and our best of everything. That you would see yourselves as stewards of all that God's given you in your life. And that you would learn to offer more and more and more of your life to God so that it would be multiplied. And so listen, I want to move past the question that a lot of you are probably asking, Eric, how much do I give? That's typically always the question. How much do I give? But really, what am I not giving and why? That's the question. What am I not giving and why am I not giving it? The question is not, can I afford to tithe? The question is, can I justify a lifestyle that spends more than 90% of all that God's given me on myself? Can I justify that? So the question is not, oh, you know, should I tithe or not tithe? The question is, what am I not giving and why am I not giving it? What am I not trusting God with? How much do I dare keep for myself? When we begin to ask those questions, you know what you'll discover? That there's probably a lot of things that we prioritize and trust beyond God. There's a lot of things that we prioritize and trust more than God. And the, listen, the reason why we give to the kingdom is because we know the king. The reason why we trust God with all that we have is because we know the king. The reason Abraham could do all that he did, he could live open-handedly, is because he knew God and trusted God. He knew that God made him a promise, and God was going to keep his promise. Listen to me. God's made you a promise. He's made you a promise, and God's going to keep his promise. God made you a promise through sending his own son, Jesus, to wipe away all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt and all of the condemnation that comes with it. The Bible says that Jesus came and he died in my place and took all the condemnation for sin upon himself so that I would be set free. That Jesus made me a promise that he would never leave me and never forsake me. And God makes a promise that he who did not spare his only son but gave us up for us all, how would he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's the promise of God. And so let me ask you, have you trusted Jesus with your entire life? Have you surrendered your faith to Jesus? Do you know the king of all kings? If so, we need to take the next step. We need to trust him with everything, with our time, our treasures, and our talents. And Jesus invites every one of us to that kind of relationship. Today, there's a card sitting next to you. This is pledge week this week. And listen, again, we've been a church for five years. We've never taken a pledge week. And so I'm new at this. If you're new at this, welcome. But, but, but our prayer, listen, is that 100% of us would participate. My kids are 13 and 11. I've asked them to participate. I've asked them to ask God, not just to let Daddy ask God for them, but let them ask God. God, how do you want me to participate in this? Our primary goal is that 100% of us would participate. Because this week is as much about what God wants to do in you as he wants to do through you. 
This week could change the lives of your family. This week could change the lives of our church in two ways. It can increase your faith the next 12 months as you make this pledge. It could increase your faith beyond and greater than you've ever imagined. And it can increase our influence in the world in mighty ways. And so listen, every pledge equals lives changed. And so before you fill it out, I just want you to watch this video. Since LifePoint Church has started with 12 people in a living room, we get to minister to over 200 people every single week with the gospel. Two different countries, two different languages. When we started this, I, I didn't even know what to expect, but all I did is just trust God with my first and my best, and I said, I, I want to follow you with my life. You know, in the five years that we've been a church, we've baptized over 100 people. 100 people. We have seen hundreds and hundreds of people put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior through the ministries of LifePoint Church. I don't know about you, but I personally asked God to help us baptize 1,000 people by our 10-year anniversary. A thousand people. So in the first five years, we baptized a hundred, but, but in the next five, I'm asking God that we would baptize 900 more people. And you're thinking, how, how in the world are we going to do that? Do you realize that if every person who's committed to LifePoint Church, if they would just lead one person to Jesus every year for the next five years, we would have reached over 5,000 people for Jesus? What if we only reached half that? What if we only reached a fourth of that? And, and, so, and so I'm praying that we're reaching a thousand people by year 10. We've sent out our first church plant last year, John and Alicia Looney to Honduras. And I'm believing by the year 2026, in 15 years, we would have planted five churches out of this church, at least five churches. Right now, we have guys who are called, guys who are equipped and ready to plant churches. They just need some resources. They just need God to show them some direction. In the first five years, we've had 45 individuals go on foreign missions trips. We've sent people to places like China and Honduras and India and the Dominican Republic and Mexico. And so this summer, we actually have 25 more people going on a foreign missions trip. That's 75 people who have left the country and said, I am all in about telling people about Jesus, not only near, but far as well. 75 people from the church have said, yes, I'm going. Our vision is that every person at LifePoint Church would either go or send on a foreign trip every year. That every one of us would go on a foreign trip or send someone to go every single year. And so today the challenge is to ask or even re-ask, God, what is my investment through this church into your kingdom? And I'll tell you right now, that we are operating on a budget of $145,000 a year. $145,000. 145, so far this year, we're on pace to bring in $153,000. So listen to me when I tell you, we're not behind schedule. All right? 
I'm not up here saying, oh, you know, we need, we need, we need. I'm saying that God wants to do bigger and greater things. And so generosity this year is actually higher than what we planned. But in order to move forward with the mission and the vision that God's given us, we actually need to be operating on a budget of $180,000 per year, which is a difference of $27,000 over the next 12 months. That's the gap. Which means it's going to require every one of us pledging to give our first and our best to God over the next 12 months. And trusting God, God, you're going to do more with this than I could ever do myself. So how will your investment help us move forward? Well, our philosophy is that we invest into people who can invest in the body, who can invest into the world. That's our philosophy. We want to invest into people who can invest in the body, who will then invest in the world. And so, so here's the deal. Above and beyond that, we need a, a children's director. We need to begin to up our children's ministry. We, we need to move out of here by April of 2018 or make a shift in here so that we can actually house more people. So here's the deal. is We need to make a, a $50,000 in our building fund just in 12 months. And so part of our investing our first and our best to God is saying, God, I'm going to give you all of me so that the kingdom can move forward and we can see more testimonies, hear more uh, people coming to know Jesus in a mighty way. And so we want to increase and multiply our outreach efforts, our Fifth Saturday projects, ministry to single moms. We want to increase our investment into church planting. But listen to me, in order to bridge that gap, we need every one of us to say, here's my first and here's my best and begin to ask God, where are you leading me? What are you calling me to do? We need to live by faith and trust God. And I'm going to pray that as God leads you, we would be obedient by faith and we would trust that he's got us moving forward. All right. Will you pray with me as the band comes up?